Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Cinema Psych Podcast. The podcast where psychology meets film. I am your host, Dr. Alex Swan. And today's episode, in this episode, we are going to be doing a little bit of a special episode. So recently, about three weeks ago... Um, I had the opportunity to host a roundtable at the Midwestern Psychological Association's annual conference. Now, we held it virtually this year because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. So if you're listening to this in the past, well, hopefully the pandemic is all gone. Uh, one can hope. But in any case, we held this. Uh, we, we didn't held, hold the conference in 2020 and so I was going to do the round table in person there but I didn't get around I didn't get a chance to do it so I resubmitted my proposal for this round table and it was accepted and and I was able to um you know have fun with several of my colleagues talking about films and we did it on Zoom so this is a special episode of film pedagogy. Now, there's several films that are mentioned by me and by my colleagues, and um, you, you can uh, I will have their uh, names and, and information in the show notes online. And um, you can just, you know, listen to uh, the various ways some of them are going to be on the show very soon. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because after our discussion, I was like, I need to have some of these people as guest hosts talking about films. So what you'll hear uh, in this episode is um, first and foremost, I want to apologize. Zoom sound effects are going to be heard throughout, you know, people leaving and leaving my Zoom room or coming into my Zoom Zoom room. I forgot to turn off sound effects before I started recording. So unfortunately, you will be hearing the comings and goings of people while um, some of the roundtable guests are speaking. So that's, I'll get that out of the way. My apologies on that one. That is a noob error right there. But other things you'll hear is, uh, so this was like a 20-minute roundtable. We ended up going uh, beyond that. Um, not all of it was recorded, but you'll you'll definitely hear very quick questions on my part, quick responses to answers on my part, and uh, quick responses from those who attended the roundtable. But they did a fantastic job by recognizing that they were going to be on a podcast, and so every time they speak... They mention who they are again, so I think it's extremely easy for um, listeners to follow the the context of the conversation, follow who is speaking at various points, and uh, you. It, it it's gonna be it's gonna be a shorter episode than normal, and uh, it's not gonna be like some of the other. There's gonna be no major film discussed in this particular episode, so just be aware of that. And so, without further ado. I'm going to toss it to myself to get started with the special episode of the MPA 2021 Roundtable Cinema Psych Edition. Well, hi, everybody. We've got some newcomers in here. Um, welcome to the Cinema Psych Podcast Roundtable discussion here at MPA 2021. Um, as I mentioned 
Uh, I kind of want this just to be a, a fun conversation, sort of um, an exponential uh, increase in the kind of program that I create for the podcast, which is specifically talking with one person about a specific movie. But in those episodes, I tend to have um, a chat about film pedagogy at the beginning of the episode. If you've if you've ever ca- caught an episode, I know that um, Jordan has been on the show before. Uh, so she knows the the deal on that. And and so I just have a few questions that we have in the, you know, 20 ish minutes for this particular roundtable and feel free to just jump in. Like I said, um, is it is recording. OK, good. Um, so my first question to you all is because this is a podcast about using films and teaching what are some of the reasons that you choose to use films and movies in your teaching and in your pedagogy floor is open hey this is sarah bagley um i would say one of the reasons that i used film is to capture a broader perspective than i can provide in the classroom and to connect stories in ways that the students might have that ability to connect with that maybe my interactions won't provide for them. Yeah, I think that's really crucial. Um, it, it broadens our perspectives. Um, this is Crystal. I've, I don't use film all that much in my classes, but I have used it in community psychology. Um, so I teach that it's an undergraduate course. And um, part of that class is talking about like activism and talking about living by your own values and um, figuring out what those values are and how you want to live by them. Um, and so in the past I've used films like um, actually a, a German language film, um, Sophie, Scholl, Sophie Scholl, The Final Days. So it's about the White Rose movement, oh, wow. um, which was a movement in, in Germany of, of college students that were fighting against um, Hitler. And, and it was illegal to distribute um, what they considered anti-Nazi propaganda. And so um, she gets caught and she's interrogated and you can see through um, uh it's just like the whole like her last days she ends up dying at the end it's not it's not a surprise or a spoiler or anything like that but um and just kind of showing like people putting their literally their lives on the line um and i think it brings an emotionality and a connection to it that just reading about it in a book would not yeah i mean i i i I, did you cut off there or no i was just done okay (laughs) (laughs) um yeah Right, because um, a book would require your own imagination, but now you have the imagination of some filmmaker who has an idea here. Um, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Any other uh, any other um, uh, comments about some of the reasons why you would choose to use films in your pedagogy? Um, this is uh, Thomas here. Um, Hi, Thomas. I, uh typically use them for two reasons. One is um, I find that they're a good teaching tool for recognizing phenomena. Uh, so uh, they provide kind of a, a nice tight narrative and, and different scenes. So like with social psychology, um, it's nice to put the situation onto the, the uh, screen and let students kind of recognize uh, different phenomena, different concepts uh, and, and choose the movie or curate the the movies that are really good at demonstrating those things and then 
I also teach a class called Psychology of Disability. And so it is very helpful uh, for comparing um, positive representations with negative representations or stigmatizing representations. And so I also uh, think uh, in terms of social justice and, and uh, diversity representations, uh, movies can be really beneficial for pulling out the uh, symbolic you know, harms that can be done uh, in portraying uh, different uh, marginalized groups in positive versus negative ways. That's uh, really that's really awesome, um, Thomas. Uh, I, I, this is a later question, but I thought I'd ask you since you were you you just mentioned it, the comparison in disability psych. What are some movies that you use to compare positive and negative representations of disability? It's actually it's funny because most movies don't kind of live up to. So I have to like find the the narrow few that are yeah. are pretty uh, uh, beneficial. So I. I will have them uh, watch uh, actually the 1930s movie uh, Freaks, um, which is so surprisingly, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, this is objectifying and that sort of thing. But it's it's actually one of the more progressive movies in the sense that it employed a bunch of uh, people actually with disabilities uh, to portray themselves. And it also shows kind of uh, I don't know if any of you have heard it heard of it, um, but it creates this uh, portrayal of empowerment, even uh, uh, and and solidarity within this group that they get actually they actually get revenge on the non-disabled person in the who is an uh, an imposter into the group. Um, but I also use like Murder Ball is a great one. Um, I use uh, Children of a Less, uh, of a Lesser God because uh, that portrays some uh, 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 challenging, uh, uh, portrayals of, of stereotypes. And then, um, I will also use themes from like X-Men, um, yes, yes. Uh, as a, as a kind of, um, uh, agitating, uh, social change and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, uh and then, uh, born on the 4th of July, I think oh, is another good. one that yeah. is, uh, uh, shows activism. And, um, so yeah, there's, Plenty. There's some out there that are really. Uh, I I look for the uh, social group portrayed in the film, and not as an individual story of tragedy. Sure. Okay. Thank you for sharing those uh, those examples. Well, I'll, I have uh, another question about examples toward the end of the discussion. Um, thank you uh, for those insightful comments. Um, my next question is about you know, pedagogy in general um, with respect to assessments. So we want to use these fun, especially if they're comedy movies, we want to use these fun forms of art to allow us to expand horizons, but we have to assess their usefulness, right? And we have to assess, obviously, um, thinking. So to start off this question, what kinds of assessments do you use specifically with film? Uh, I'll go ahead and explain what I've been doing recently, which is um, I assign a short paper when I assign a movie. I assign a short paper, and two to three pages, and they have to um, choose, if they're watching the full-length film, they have to choose three scenes that express um, or portray various 
material or concepts from the class that we are talking about. And so they have free reign to write what they want, choose whatever three scenes that stick out to them as representative of the material, and then sort of write about that. They have to bring in um, uh, primary sources to support their arguments. What kind of, uh, so to that, um, in that vein, what kind of uh, assessments do you all use? Hi, this is Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. Um, so I teach abnormal psychology asynchronously, and I created a group project where um, each individual in the group has to choose a depiction of one of the personality disorders that we're studying. So if they choose borderline personality disorder, they each choose a clip, mm -hmm. and then they have to get together and assess which clip seems to depict more criteria for borderline personality disorder. And then they have to kind of give justification for why they chose a particular movie clip that, uh, that better um, shows uh, the personality disorder. So I get a lot of good feedback from students. It, it intimidates them initially. And then once they kind of get into it and draw together as a group, it, it becomes kind of a fun project for them. That's awesome. I, I like the the um, the aspect of where you choose something and then you determine which clip um, sort of in the reverse of of what I had described. Uh, other assessments from the group uh, regarding film. Film projects, uh, papers to anybody, uh, I, anybody test on material in in their classes. This is Sarah. I don't do tests, but I also assign papers depending on the level, intro psych, behavioral neuro, um, the, the section of the course concepts we're covering. Usually I do it by paper form, but often I will do discussion-based activities where they have to apply things like what ethical scenarios or how would this exist in today's culture? Or like we just bring up various um, discussion questions. I also teach a whole class called Memory in the Media. And we, nice. as a class, watch these different movies at certain points. And then I stop halfway through the movie and they always have discussion groups to, to say, and one of the questions is, how do you think the rest of the movie will play out? So, you know, getting like them the social aspect, communicating with each other, building on those skills. And then I guess in that class, I do have some questions integrating concepts from the movie, um, but not typically tests. Sarah, I'm going to have to follow up with you on the, that. I like okay. the discussion one because uh, especially guess how it ends that I, I love that I love that so I will I will um if you want to if you want to send me a, a private message your email so I can I can get Certainly. get to you thank you another uh, one is connecting because yeah. we watch multiple movies in that course such as you guys have probably seen Inside Out mm -hmm. and the main character's name Riley but we also watch something like Still Alice mm -hmm. so when we talk about Still Alice's mind how would Inside Out's Riley's emotions look in Alice's mind. So like connecting the class or the, the movies in those ways. That is really awesome. I love that. I love that. Oh, see, this is why I wanted to do this roundtable. 
This is why I wanted to do this roundtable. Uh, that's that's amazing. Okay. Uh, any other uh, comments about uh, assessments? Yeah, Thomas. Um, just one additional thing. I love I love uh, Sarah that what you're saying. Um, and I I definitely will think about that uh, for future. But I I was just thinking about one um, thing in particular that hasn't been said uh, that I do. Um, and I do this with uh, several of the movies, but uh, especially I like to do it with uh, the movie Do the Right Thing mm -hmm. um, in uh, multicultural psychology, uh, where I talk about the concepts or I, I get them to recognize the concepts that are being portrayed. But then I also take a step back and ask them to think about how this uh, film will impact audiences. So as, as a um, stimulus. So thinking about films as a stimulus that it that are or films that are stimuli for audiences that go to the movie theater or watch these and how does that portrayal instantiate some form of lay perspective about what racism is or what prejudice is and what we should do about it um, because you know you can contrast do the right thing with something like um crash mm -hmm. and it's you know it's like it gives you a different message about what the answers are or what what we should do as a society so i want them to to, to see the stimulus in the in the film and i assess that yeah i like the comparison there between do the right thing and and crash uh it's very yeah, it's a very good comparison hey listener Thanks for sticking around this episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Anyway, I need your help in growing this podcast's audience. In past episodes, I've asked you to share this podcast with five of your friends. Let's keep doing that. Share this podcast on social media, especially if you really liked an episode. Share that episode. Tell five of your friends or family if they have an interest in film or psychology, or even better, both. Growing the audience is our goal for the second year of programming, and so we need your help to get that done. Other ways to contribute to the podcast include tips to our PayPal, found on our website, becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cinemapsychpod, rocking some sweet merch from our Spreadshirt shop, and or leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Now back to the show. So with the time left that we have on this round table, I wanted to, uh, sorry that we're like moving super quick. I just have a lot of questions. I always have a lot of questions. Um, one thing that I asked, um, our STP colleagues, and I want to get your feedback. I don't know if if any of you did the um, survey that I sent out at the end of last year. Um, but one thing that I am curious about, and maybe we can end on this, and if you have any suggestions for films, you can drop those in the chat um, because we probably won't have the time to get to that. But my question, my I guess my final question here would be, sort of a two-pronged question. What are the challenges that you've faced using films, um, either from the student 
uh, the students or administration sort of overstepping maybe uh, or and what kind of feedback have you gotten from your students about um, the use of film in your classes? I would say one of the biggest drawbacks right now is trying to hold the in-person experience in this very weird hybrid virtual world. And especially because I like to say, I like to have discussions midway through the film. You can't have everybody just go and watch it for an hour, come back. It, it feels very disjointed rather than having that community experience. Um, so that's my biggest struggle right now. Yeah, that's a that is a big struggle too. I had to I did a free trial for a film that I needed them to watch. I did a free trial for a streaming service and I said, "Here's the login. Go watch it." <laughs> watch anything else you want to. Other challenges, other comments that you received from students, positive or negative? Yeah, so I'm having a quiet moment here, so I'm going to try to jump in. But nice. um, we, I like we've talked about this before, and you know, I don't currently use a lot of films in my classes, but mm -hmm. um, but I've thought about it um, a, a lot. And right now, I think especially our time is so limited, I, I'm not using it. But we do have, I we have a class that a, somebody else teaches, and I don't I don't know them. Um. And students complain about the class a lot. And, and I've, I've been kind of thinking about it because it's, it's a graduate level class. Stop. It's a graduate level class. And I'll hear from my students that, you know, they, they'll meet, they'll watch a movie together on Zoom and, and they, and they feel like it's kind of, and then they discuss it. And it seems to me, so whenever I talk to students about it, I'm like, well, it's not always obvious to students what the plan is that the faculty member has. And so like give the benefit of the doubt, trust the process a little, they're counseling students. So it's really easy to like, just trust, let's just say trust the process and they understand what that means. And, um, but I think, I think if there is one, it's just sounds like there just needs to be more intentionality around like the instructor being explicit about what they want the student to get from that experience and doing what Sarah is talking about, um, that, yeah, that, that stop it, talk about it a little bit. It, it, it seems, it seems like when I have done things in the past like that, students seem to have a little bit more buy-in of like, oh, okay, this is why that's important. And this is why this is a, an important experience and why the instructor is doing that. And, and yes, in an ideal world, students give faculty the benefit of the doubt that like, you're not just like wheeling out the TV on the cart. Um, Right. But anyway, if you understand what I mean when I say teacher that. Substitute day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I kind of think of. Substitute teacher day. I don't yeah, know exactly. Else Let's pop in a movie. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. And it, and, it, and it, you know, obviously called. That's all right, Jordan. Uh, totally understand. We may, I may have had a, a, a chattering uh, girl here today had she not gone to school. So I totally, yep, I, I get the face. <laughs> I get the face. I think intentionality and sort of showing your cards is pretty important. Yeah. I would say another thing is the possibility of triggers in the movies because a lot of these movies do deal with very intense concepts and I have to be very upfront and even include like 
we will be watching R-rated movies in my syllabus. And I mm-hmm. tell them exactly what movies. And if they're not comfortable with that, they should not be in that class. And then I even got it so far as a student um, was still having an issue and I had to substitute in a different movie. So on the fly, I had to change everything, change all of my discussions. So yeah. I think um, that is also something that is just a struggle. Right. And and I have I have dealt with similar things, too. I actually when and when it's a it, when it is a, a film that has strong themes, it's rated R and we need to give content warnings for that. Um, I will typically link to the Common Sense Media uh, page on that film because Common Sense Media is I think is a family based organization um, and but they have great full descriptions of all of the gnarly stuff that might be in those movies. And uh, so regardless of the organization itself, the uh, the their pages on these films are wonderful. So I definitely offer that to my students. And I've had to do that in the past for something like for a film like Black Swan or something. Uh, I'm wondering if I can chime in a little bit. Go for it, Alan. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm Alan. I, I'm a recent graduate from Compton College. So, so I came from like a more student perspective. Um, awesome. And uh, my I'm majoring in psychology. My focus was more in cognitive um, on illustrative truth. That was the that was thing focused. But um, I'm actually going to like grad school for film. <laughs> so, so that's kind of like where my side is coming in. Sorry for for that long winded introduction. Um, yeah. But the the one thing. The one thing I guess I, I was really, really wondering is, and a lot of those points were touched on by you guys, is is first, like, um, like film are being made by filmmakers. They're made by, they, they have somebody making it and there are intentions by them, which sometimes are not accurate. And which was mentioned by Jordan about like, what are some embellishments or inaccuracies in film? And then, and, and I was, was curious, like, uh, and, and you guys have discussed about this, like, what are some ways, like, including the instructor's intentionality to help guide the students on, I don't know, on like, uh, specific parts of the film or like um yeah like, like because um yeah filmmakers are not psychologists <laughs> they're not perfect in depicting those 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 scenarios so um that that, that was one thing that i guess i, w- I was wondering is like um and it was i, I kind of you guys kind of answered it i guess already but the other question i guess is um the one thing i really felt was that because like uh, we grow up from the uh, all the students and professors of course grow up from very different backgrounds and the movies we watch are very different and I, and one thing, I guess, um, it kind of leads into the question of diversity a little bit, I guess, as well. But also, this is, I think the examples being brought up in this conversation has been great. There has been a Spike Lee movie and there's foreign films um, like Sophie Scholl, uh, The Final Days. There are foreign films. But I guess I wonder is, um, like before I, I came, I went to Carlton, like a lot of films I think, I think that occupied my mind are, are Hollywood productions are um uh you know western commercial productions but also like i guess the question is um yeah what are ways to i don't know invite different perspectives and different spaces into courses even though maybe um maybe not not just multicultural psychology courses or i don't know there still can be other ways i don't know to to invite um different i don't know movies into into each other's spaces i guess yeah, so I mean that's that's a great question, Alan, and I, I appreciate the perspective. Uh I I try to try to grab as much um diverse film as possible in in my teaching. So uh recently I used uh Akira Kurosawa's uh Rashomon to discuss fallibility of memory, right? And you have uh is 1950s Japan 
when the film was being made, but then it's also set in feudal Japan. And so you have all of these elements of mysticism. It The film is in Japan, so it's reading for non-Japanese audiences. And it's in black and white. So there's a lot of buy-in for this one. And my students actually enjoyed it. They, it, they enjoyed going back 70 years to um, explore what is so named the Rashomon effect. And so I, I, I encourage um, others to, to join in for that answer as well. So, so one of the things that I think is important is you really have to scaffold uh, those uh, viewing experiences for students, uh, I found. They, they do not willingly do that, like make that selection if you give them a, a, a choice between movies. They, I found that they're really um, averse to subtitles and black and white. And then also, like I really, um, I'm really intrigued because there's a lot of this where you're like recognizing psychology in film, but there's also the psychology of the film. And I would, I would kind of argue that filmmakers are psychologists. They're just trying to get people to be attracted to the movie rather than the actual facts in the movie. Um, and so, uh, talking students through the language of film and, and what the filmmaker is trying to do and hear and, and in that sense, like I think that, that makes it a really rich experience and, and do uh, have some movies that are a little bit slower paced, which anything outside of Western commercial is like slower paced. Um, but you have to like, I think you also have to break it up. Um, and I find that for me, if I'm watching one of those, I have to watch it about like a half an hour at a time because even my brain is is like processing this at such a, uh, a rich level of information and emotion that I can't watch a, an, a 90 minute like Kurosawa film or uh, uh, Boonwell or uh, Brasana. Like some of those are just like overpowering uh, to me and I have to like, okay, we need to, we need to stop here and we'll just watch it at like half an hour or 20 minute clips at a time uh, and then talk about it. So I think scaffolding is a really big uh, part to that. And I think also, this is Crystal again, uh, throwing in some of that perspective, taking um, those skills and getting students to really put themselves in, you know, I, it, Germany is not that culturally different from the US There are some differences, but they're not that drastic. Um, and but the the culture of the 1940s um, versus now um, students um, obviously feel very differently than uh, they're more likely to put themselves at least explicitly in the in in Sophie's um, position than in the people who are interrogating her um, and and so like getting them to think about like what would it be like to live in a culture like this how do you see similarities between what happened in the 40s and what is going on right now and how do you how do you take steps in your own life to fight against injustice to fight against discrimination to fight against um all of those things um and really getting them to like think about like what roles are people playing not just in the movie but like in real life like what positions are they filling up whose rules are they following um and how do we how do we um empathize with different people within the group um i think that that um that was really helpful for my students as well 
Well, I want to thank everybody. We we went a little long. I want to thank everybody uh, for coming by and, and chatting about films in this really quick roundtable. Um, I was super stoked to do this and uh, it lived up to the hype. So I, I in my own mind. Uh, so I appreciate everybody coming by. Um, I, I think um, there are uh, other sessions that uh, people want to to jump to. Um, Nam. Oh, uh, interesting to uh, recognize the implied biases of the scriptwriter. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I um, uh, do love about being able to use film in class because it is coming from the perspective, and this goes back to Alan's question, it is coming from the perspective of, you know, just a small group of people, and really the director's vision is what ends up on the screen. Uh, and so you kind of have to weigh that when talking about what you're actually watching. So yeah, Nam, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and end the roundtable. Uh, enjoy the rest of MPA, everybody. Thank you for coming by and chatting. It was uh, absolutely wonderful. Your comments are great. Um, expect this episode uh, in to come by in May. And um, uh, yeah, it was lovely. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you.